Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles, Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast, the special needs podcast. Each week we talk about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools and to empower parents. In this episode, we're talking about autism and coronavirus, the new normal for children and their families. My guest this week is Lana Grant. Lana is a specialist advisor within the field of SEN. She is an advocate for SEN children and their families and has worked within the field of SEN for nearly 20 years with a specialism in autism. But before we get started, have you heard of the Virtual SEN Conference? This is a conference we started running in 2019 and makes CPD around SEND more affordable and easier to access. It runs twice a year over the internet, but you can watch the videos whenever you need to, as they are always available. For more information, visit www.virtualsendconference.com. And at the end of the episode, I'll be giving you a discount code so you can save some money when you purchase access. Now on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing autism and coronavirus, the new normal for children and their families. Joining me today is Lana Grant. Lana has a diagnosis of Asperger syndrome and is also a parent of children on the autism spectrum. Lana is a specialist SEN advisor and an advocate for SEN children and their families. Lana's first book, From Here to Maternity, Pregnancy and Motherhood on the Autism Spectrum, was published in 2015. Lana also contributes to various articles, podcasts, and delivers talks at various shows and events. Welcome to the show, Lana. Thank you. Good to be here. Excellent. So we're recording this episode on the 1st of September, and over the next few days, the majority of students across England are returning to school. Mm-hmm. Everyone has responded to the pandemic and the lockdown differently, but people with autism in particular, there have been some positives of lockdown and returning to a new normal or normal could have a lot of anxiety. That's correct. Yeah. I think for for myself as an autistic person, uh, when we went into lockdown, my initial reaction was I was quite scared, wasn't sure what that would entail. But obviously, I think that the primary thought in everyone's head was, well, we need to be safe. We need to be healthy. We, you know, we, we don't want to get sick. And then as maybe the first couple of weeks went on, I'd go out for walks. My youngest son, who is on the autistic spectrum, had been having problems at school and didn't like going out, doesn't cope very well with with people, was in a really high state of anxiety. And we would go out for walks and there were hardly any people around. And for us, that was great because we didn't have to make awkward eye contact. We didn't have to wonder about the social niceties of things. And we almost went back to basics as a family. So I didn't work during that period of time because I work in schools and and obviously schools were, were closed. So we went back to basics. We were baking bread we were gardening. I have to say that wasn't very successful because all of my my, uh, <laughs> my tomato plants and strawberry plants got blown over when we had um, one of the hurricanes. I think it was Hurricane Dennis that we had. So I kind of scratched that, but we, we, start, we grew flowers and things. And I noticed that my son was flourishing. So I have a lot of online contacts. I have in touch with a lot of autistic mothers, fathers. And we started to chat about how we were finding the, you know, during the pandemic. And along with the the kind of anxiety levels about the virus and where would it take us and, and how would that look in the future, a lot of us found that in particular our children were calmer, 
less anxious. Now, that's not all children. So obviously, I'm, I'm not speaking for all children, but there were a majority of children that the pressure of school had been removed. My own son in particular was starting to do online maths and he has a real phobia about maths, doesn't like maths at all. But we signed him up to an online program and he was quite happy to do that. And we spent kind of that time, although a lot of the time I'd feel guilty for actually enjoying that time because I knew that people were people were dying, people were sick. I knew of people that had COVID and were very, very poorly. So I'm not detracting from that at all. But we found it a time that we kind of flourished almost. And also, I think we recognise that the world in general had started maybe to to live in the way that autistic people have been living forever. You know, there were rules to follow. So you had to wear hand gloves first of all we had to wear gloves you had to sanitize only a certain amount of people allowed in a shop which was for me brilliant so not shopping at the best of times so the fact that you know we we were decreased amount in shops was great so that those things that suddenly other people had to abide by that we've been doing for a long time or that that benefit us maybe less people in shops that benefits autistic people quieter hours quieter shopping times that benefits us as well and (sighs) I think what I found was that I almost was not looking forward to things going back to normal. And again, that does not take away from the fact that people have died. That's that's this is kind of a separate issue. It was just looking at a way that the world could be different. And we spent more time together as a family. My husband started to work from home, which yeah, has its challenges space wise. You know, I'd go into the kitchen in the morning, he'd be on a call a call and he'd be going, shh, shh, out, out, out. So I couldn't couldn't get into the kitchen in the morning. But actually, as a family, we were spending more time together. And that was really helpful. And I, I asked some of my my friends who were on the spectrum kind of their thoughts now that we are heading back. For me today, this is a really hard day because normally I would be going back to work and I'm not going back to work as in going back into schools because I don't have any schools to go into because there is still a concern about, you know, who comes in how many people come into school how is it going to work with me going in and supporting children so I feel a little bit lost and I asked some of my my friends uh, who are also autistic mums because I think for us it's been we're a different different breed I think so a lot of us have had to go back to maybe doing more stuff around the house that maybe we we hadn't done in the past a lot of us feel that we've cooked so many meals we can't really comprehend when do we get a day off you know, I quite like a Jamie Oliver or somebody to come in and do the cooking for me for a week. It's been really busy. And a lot of my friends kind of said that they found the same positives that I found. So a lot of them said that being at home has been positive. But a few of them have also thrown up that the negatives of the lack of support that they've had during the time of lockdown. I say use quotation marks because it's lockdown-ish. And lots of support has been removed from them. So families that have got children who would have carers coming in, taking them out, doing life skills, that's all stopped. And there's been no one for them to turn to. And that has been really hard and really isolating. So I guess it's been a double edged sword because there have been lots of positives, but also lots of negatives. And a lot of the people I've spoken to have said, well, now we're going back into whatever. Some don't like the phrase new normal back into some semblance of normality how do we feel about it and I think again a lot of us are concerned at the lack of social distancing because I think a lot of us aren't 
we are concerned about the virus, but actually we social distance anyway. I mean, I just don't like people next to me. I just, you know, two metres away from me is great. And a lot of my friends have said the same thing, that things again now are busy. There's lots of sensory overload and it's hard to go back into that. We struggle with change. We struggle with that transition. And we've not really had a lot of preparation for it and neither have our children. So children going back into school, originally, they'd be back in bubbles of six or 12 or whatever was decided and then changed at the last minute. And now it looks as though it's going to be full school. Full th- My son is going back to school tomorrow. It's going to be a class of 30. I've got other friends who have connections with teachers, family members and things and secondary schools. One school's got um, a bubble of a thousand students. So if one of those students is diagnosed with COVID, what, a whole thousand have to stay at home and their families? What is the impact then? Because obviously a lot of us, we talked about the, the rule, the rigidity and and being steadfast on rules. And I know with my son, my son is, I mean, we've been, uh, we've done the Merlin Parks this year because that's all we could do really. And he's he's into building roller coasters and on Minecraft, not in the garden, but on Minecraft. And he's been very agitated about the amount of people that haven't social distanced when we've been out. So he's very rule driven. So if someone doesn't spend 20 seconds washing their hands in his classroom, he will get agitated and anxious. So there's this whole mix of stuff that's going on that's hard enough for for everybody. Neurotypical friends I've spoken to have said, you know, we don't know how this is going to look in school. We don't know what's going to happen. Well, we're autistic and, and we I need to know, my son needs to know, a lot of my friends, we need to know what's going to happen and we're not being given that information because actually it's not there. They're not no. being given it. So, I think, I think my, my sister has three boys on the spectrum in different ways and different areas, different levels. And her middle child who's been a school refuser for two years is, I think, because as she explains to him, she, she, you, as a parent, you keep back the worry. Yeah. You almost not mention the death. You not mention all the horrible stuff. You basically say the world has to follow rules. Mm-hmm. They all have to stay away from each other. And this, he's literally going, yes. <laughs> so for him, there was no anxiety because mm-hmm. he was like, finally, they're doing the right things. Everyone's finally going to start washing their hands. Why haven't they been doing it before? So for him, it was like quite. And I think he hasn't really left the house much for a while. Um, and I think. The fact that all this is going on, something's changed in him over the last two months that meant he's actually wanted to go out. Yeah. He's, it must be the fact that all this is going on yeah. where he lives in a quiet area. Yeah. He almost feels like, I can go out because yes. everyone's washing their hands and everyone's going to social and keep away from me. Yes. Um, so for him, it's been great. And I know for me, I have no idea if I'm on the spectrum or not. That's another podcast. That's another <laughs> thing anyway. Um, but I've definitely enjoyed my own space as you said going for a walk and just staying away from people yes going shopping staying away from people just generally just staying away from people is quite nice yeah but then as you said the support is actually it does start to get lonely yeah and it's not just that professional support it's the support from your friends online having a conversation face online is one thing but having a cup of tea and a biscuit is a whole nother level Mm. that is a whole nother level of support you have to say anything just having to sit in there having a cup of tea and a biscuit Yep. There's a lot of support going on yep. there. And that professional support is it's very different in different places. It is one of those postcode lottery things and depending on various factors. So um, my nephew, the school refuser, had someone coming out to him a couple of times a week. That switched to Zoom. 
there was various issues with that. What he didn't like is he didn't like looking at a laptop and that person looking at him. Yes. He hated being that center of attention. So what they ended up doing is having two laptops, or I think it was a tablet, and the Zoom was on the tablet to the left yes. so they could see him, and then he played his game. And the focus wasn't on him. The focus was on the game. And it was so different places, different children, different areas, yes. different levels of success. But I think face to face, stuff like respite, all that sort of stuff where you need breaks, that hasn't been there. And the other bit to touch on is you the new normal phrase. You said back to new normal. Well, if it's new, we can't, we're not going back. So it's either back to normal or forward to new normal. Yeah, correct. Where I'm in the world is we're, we're not in a big city, we're in a bit of a semi-rural, semi, we're quite countryfied around here. Yeah. And it's nice. We still go out to walks and do all that. And I walk to work. And mostly in the shops, people keep separate from each other. Mm. It does raise whole things. When someone's dithering in a shop, you can't just walk up to them to make your presence known. You just have to be two, you're two meters away <laughs> trying to be angry. <laughs> Hurry up. Coughing. Um, that's the whole Yes. No. My wife uh, scrapes her shoes on the floor like a, to- like a child. <laughs> After going, what are you doing? She's like, I'm trying to get their attention that we're behind them and they go walking slowly. It's like, <laughs> on one hand, that's great. On the other hand, it's really grating. And then on the other hand, it's like, that probably works then because it's probably grating them as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so new challenges have come up. And, um, and I think I've talked to Sarah Jane previously is I've done lots of traveling mm. and I go to Scotland lots and I fly to Scotland. Yeah. It's just a lot quicker and easier. Yeah. And you've no idea how noisy airports are mm. until you can travel through them with none of that noise. Yes. So I bought myself a pair of those Bose noise cancelling headphones. Yeah. Best thing I've ever done because I can now fly to Glasgow and it's only when I've done it a few times I literally went, I find this really relaxing. Yeah. I'm going through Heathrow Airport. I'm going through everything. Yeah. All these hundreds of people. I'm queuing to get on a plane. I'm queuing to get off and I'm queuing here. I'm, I'm really relaxed. And it's only when you take your headphones off you realize how noisy everything is. And actually, you know those images where all those things are sort of pushing down in your head yes, and overload. Yeah. Actually, it does feel like that yeah. when you can get rid of it all and then suddenly it comes back. Yes. So I think I think we've all, over the last few months, we've all reprioritized our lives. Yeah. We did have slightly more successful with our uh, tomatoes. They didn't get thrown over. <laughs> um, okay. I don't like tomatoes, so I'm... <laughs> different than being blown over <laughs> but we've all reprioritized our lives and you, i think you've you, you said you've spent more time with your family mm. and you've worked out actually it's quite nice this yeah not all the time but most of the time it's quite nice and uh you can do stuff and you have time and you literally look at your children and you're also seeing that they're actually enjoying it all yeah one of my daughters i think my daughters need the socialism or the socialist side of school they need that yeah but in other ways it's been quite nice, the four of us. Yeah. So it's, it's about those priorities. And I think one of the things, as you said, that bubble of a thousand, mm. you've got each person, we all have our different views on the level of caution you need to take. Yes, yeah. So there are some people going, I need to wash everything three times before it comes in the house for my Tesco delivery, to the, it doesn't exist. Yes. And I think a bubble of a thousand, I'm going to say the word reckless, Yes, yeah, yeah. And not just reckless for the sort of people who struggle with the rules, but actually for every everything about that is just wrong. Whether you believe it or not, you've got to look at that whole picture yeah. and go, if this does happen, that's the whole school gone. 
you just sit there and go, okay, we've got to have smaller bubbles. Now, my daughter's school, secondary school, each year group is a bubble because you've got yeah. the sets and yeah. and teachers move around classes, not the children yeah. in certain situations. So they've done a lot. And it's, it's like, yeah. So a thousand, that's ridiculous. And you've got to look at what happens if and all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, then you get yeah. down to people have to follow the rules. And as you yeah. said, if you're that person going back and you're saying to your child, it's all right, everyone's going to be doing this and everyone's going to be doing this and everyone's going yes. to be doing this, you're going to be fine. They're going, okay. And then yeah. they turn up and none of that's happening. That's going to be a struggle for them. Mm-hmm. And I think they might find children who go back on day one and then don't go back for a couple of weeks because yes. no one was following yeah. the rules. No one was doing that. And everyone, yeah. problem is schools are responding to uh, last minute guidance. Definitely. Yeah, I don't I don't put the blame on the schools. No. At all. Some some schools do it better than others, but overall, yes. generally everyone is working really hard to do what's best. Yep. And there are people on Twitter, every time there's um a government release new updated guidance, there's somebody who has document comparisons. And they can literally go, right, here's the version and it highlights what's changed. Rather than having to yes. read the whole document going, Okay, what has yeah. You can literally go to the thing, it highlights anything, it's like cool. Yeah, they corrected the spelling really, or actually, what has really actually significantly changed? Um, yeah, that goes in. So that's that's been helping schools, but I think everything's open to interpretation. And I think the thing that I really don't like about children returning to school is, and one way I don't know how you would do it differently is mm. the fact the teacher has to remain at the front of the class. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. That yeah, yeah. SEN, autism, whatever, anyone, that is not helpful. Generally, if that, there'll be children that that teacher knows, I've got to go see how she's doing, how he's doing, how she's doing. Yeah. She can't. She's either got to get everyone who needs support at the front of the class. Yeah. And then there's that child who just one day is struggling with this. They're worried about something. Or then you've got the whole thing of, how home life has been over the last six months, if it's not been happy, how that's affected. Yes. And that requires you observing them, looking over their shoulder yeah. at their work and just thinking of doing it. None of that can happen. So there's no. a lot of um, support opportunities that will be completely missed. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my biggest concern going back mm. is the children who need that help, that support. Yeah. Um, yeah where life hasn't been happy they haven't had all the opportunities you sit there and you, you said you talk about actually i've really enjoyed it and then you do start yeah. to feel guilty yeah. because there's those who've had people die there yes. are those where home life isn't great they've got a tiny house they don't have the tech uh food's yeah. been a concern yeah no garden no garden parents losing jobs parents yes. yeah. thinking they're not going to go back People who run, it's just so many things that actually for that child, although it's nice to be back, they've got worries going around their head. Definitely. And teachers can generally just sit there and go, okay, something's not quite right. But that yeah. opportunity is gone. And that's where children aren't going to ask for help. They're not going to stick their hand no. up and go, I don't like no. my life, or anything like that, or yeah. just not struggle with it. And you actually unpick it. None of that's going to happen. And that's the bit yeah. that I think the school is going to have to work out how they're going to manage that, how they're going to yeah. do that. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that yeah. just doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm a bit, you know, big, I've, I've worked in 
schools I've worked permanently in schools I, I visit lots of schools and I think and I've always said you know because I work in partnership with schools I don't go in there and tell them what they need to do I you know we work in partnership together and I've always said that schools are having an increasing amount of pressure put on them not only are they supposed to be hitting the academic targets which is a, another podcast um, and delivering a curriculum that is dry to say the least, to try and make that interesting. But they're also being expected to be social workers, mental health professionals, locus parentis, which they've they've always done brilliant jobs at. But they are not trained and teachers will happily say, you know, that's I'm not trained to do that unless you've got someone who's coming from a different background. But they are not trained to do all of that. And there's only a certain amount of hours in the day. And I just found it really frustrating when all of this happened that, you know, teachers got a real kick in. You know, it was kind of, well, they've had all this time off. Well, they haven't because I I certainly speak for my own son's school. Some may have done. Yes. You know, again, I'm not talking about every school in the world, but I know from my son's school experience, staff were there sending out work. They were trying desperately to do it in a way that would, would reach children of all different learning abilities, interest to pique the children's interest. So they weren't off you know, they were off kicking around, making bread with their children every single day. A lot of them were struggling to to reach those children and did a good job. And, And I just think that schools have enough pressure on them. And when they turn to the services that they need to help, so turn to social care and health, if you've got a a family that are are in crisis or that are struggling and they're, or you turn to mental health professionals, it's all about criteria fitting. And a lot of the time it comes, but no, you don't fit the criteria. It's a school. You deal with it as a school. That's that level. And I know that having worked in outreach and having worked in school, that that is the case. And because most teachers, not all again, but most teachers want absolutely to nurture and care for their children that's what they went into the profession for as well as educate them they will just do it anyway because it's not part of their job but who else is going to do that and I think again we're going to see a massive increase in that because we're not talking just about children who have got special needs or disabilities or mental health conditions we're talking about all the other kids that were going into school and and you know most days getting on with it and quite happy and enjoying it because they're going to go back with a different perspective now and, and levels of anxiety. And where do we go for help? Where where do schools go for help? And that's my concern. One of the, um, towards the middle end of March, I was uh, talking to some people who worked in the SEN team as part of the local authority. And we're discussing various things. Oh yeah, get back to me next week. And they, did, and they literally said, we don't know what we're doing next week. We're all being redeployed. They literally yeah. said, next week, I'm probably doing Meals on Wheels. So they had certain services, mm. food, yeah, but they just almost like as an authority, as that authority, they went, SEN, yeah, we can get rid of that. Let's focus on, almost, it, that's the thing which I think yeah. is, is a bit disheartening is they don't see yep. the, the level of support that's needed. And I think one of the things which, yep. uh, or two things which have made the schools where it hasn't worked is, lack of funding yes that's one of the things and it's not just a simple lack of funding it comes down to two things lack of investment in tech so teachers went home with a laptop that could barely work yes and were expected to deliver stat and support children remotely with a laptop which took two hours to boot yes they didn't have the tech 
They also didn't, a lot of stores didn't know how to use the tech, which meant it wasn't yeah. they, what they had, they couldn't use. They didn't know how to. Yep. Yep. And then I think the third, the other bit is CPD. Yes. Understanding how children learn. Yes. So in face-to-face, you'll do it this way. And some schools try to replicate that face-to-face teaching at home. And yep. that didn't work. It's a different way. And some yep. teachers and schools were able to sit there, take a step back and go, we need to do this. This would work. This would be really good. This would give them, yeah, and we can support. And they often did it. Others kind of weren't sure which way to go. Yes. Uh, and my mum, who would always say, when I wasn't a teacher training, I did three years. And if you didn't know about child development, blah, blah. And she would go on and she'd do all this. Whereas when you're doing the one-year PGCE course, child development isn't covered special needs isn't cut there's just so much isn't covered and for those who've done the pgc i'm not saying you're not great i'm saying you've not been given the tools yes. to support your children you're ill-equipped it's like giving a mechanic one spanner and going off you go yes absolutely. you will have all the heart you'll have all the intention you will have everything mm-hmm. and you might be one of those people who will then just go out and fill all the gaps yourself yeah but there's also that thing is you don't know what you don't know. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a big thing. I think watching some schools, and you read on Twitter the stuff and the people I know, I know of head teachers who are at three o'clock in the morning are still sorting out food for families. Yeah. yeah. And I know people who had somebody on reading on Twitter, they just adopted a child or they're fostering a child and they, within three, after three months no one had phoned them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that would be classed as vulnerable. And there's all these stuff yes. literally going and it's not education missing the it's no. the teams and it's been difficult. So for every, I think for every yeah. good story, there is a negative story. That's what I've learned from this. I think for every good story, there's probably ten negative stories, which is which is really sad because it seems just going back to the PGCA, I've worked with lots of NQTs who have been put into classes with a high level of not just send children but also children who have other home difficulties you know poverty domestic violence drug abuse and that affects the children when they come to school obviously because we go right back to Maslow's hierarchy of need but nobody (laughs) nobody does that on PGCEs and I've got you know I've had NQTs come to me and say do you know what I really want to do the best for this child but I don't know what to do so you're absolutely right we are not giving them the tools that they need and many many of them do want to do the best for their children some don't you know we, we know that but some or or feel that they're just going in just to deliver a curriculum you know people are all different but most of the teachers the NQTs that I've worked with have come in and said I'll re- just tell me what to do and I'll do it and you give them the tools and you tell them what they need and they fly with it and they run away with it and that's what we need but I just feel that we've got such a massive avalanche of difficulties that are going to be heading towards schools coming back in September how do we support people when they're really out of their depth and struggling to you know what about morale for for teachers because if you haven't got happy teachers you're not going to have happy children because it it has that effect doesn't it teachers under stress who have got to deliver a curriculum so that a child in year one can pass a ridiculous phonics assessment because we all know phonics doesn't work for everybody but maybe not everyone knows that but phonics doesn't work for everybody certainly doesn't work for a lot of autistic children but they've got to do it they've got to pass because that's 
that's what they that's what the government sets the benchmark at and the other thing talking about funding it's ring fenced funding when i went into education years and years ago sen funding was ring fenced that was the money that you had in your budget for children who were sent then it was no we'll just put it or just it's not ring fenced it's coming into the budget you choose what to do with it and we know that there are slt head teachers out there that will do the right thing but actually with other parts of their budget being squeezed they don't necessarily ring fence the sem funding which means lack of training lack of ownership recognition of of send so it's a whole massive tangle it's a mess and it's, it's always a special needs who lose out Always. Absolutely, always. And, you know, going back to thinking of children going back this week, and not just children, because we're talking about kids who are going up to secondary, kids who are going to college, kids that have not been able to go and look at their colleges, they've done it online, and that's not the same. Transport's been pulled, funding for transport has shrunk. How do we support all of these young people going back? How do we prove to them that actually, as they, the adults here, uh, the ones that have gone before, that we really nurture them and we want them to do their best because there's only we can't all do everything, can we? And it just concerns me that everyone is talking about the new normal, which seems to me very much like the old normal, when I felt during this time that maybe we could have done something really exciting, we could have done something, we could have changed our whole perspective on education and our children and our families and society. I'm hoping, I don't think we instinct, I think it takes people a time to sort of change, but I've, I think I said this on a podcast before, but if you think of Joe Wicks, yep. Joe, Joe Wicks took the whole of, the whole of this country for PE lessons. Mm. You've got to sit there and look across academies and authorities going, you know what, actually, one, only one person needs to deliver this topic on Romans, or these simple Romans. Yeah. I'm not saying get rid of teachers, that's the thing. No. But what that teacher can then do, if, if, if you have six topics, six teachers, each teacher delivers and prepares that topic, the other teachers are going to be supporting their children in the classroom mm. on that topic, which actually means yeah. if they're not, if they only you reduce their planning to a sixth of what it was, yeah, they've got a lot more time to support and prepare and differentiate for yeah. their children. So there's lots of things we could do. One of the big benefits of uh, remote learning, and my daughter said it best when she was asked by the head of year in year nine, how's it going? It's great. I'm not being delayed by the idiots. Yes, I've worked with children that have said that, yeah. She was able to get given the work and get on with it. And it's great because she yeah. could get on with it. But then there was those who can't get on with it. There was no support. But she had the option, if it was a video, she could re-watch it. She didn't get part of it. She could rewatch it. She could watch yeah. it five times. She could put the subtitles. If it's YouTube videos or Teams, you can put subtitles on. Yeah. You can do lots of things. Yeah. And no one knows. You're not being judged. It's not like yeah. you watched it five times. I'm bringing your mark down. Or you asked. Yeah. Or, and no one knows. And there's lots of things like that that actually for children who are struggling and unsure can watch things multiple times, do it themselves and go, okay, why did I get that? And watch it again. So there's lots of yeah. little things that, We've got to learn from that. The yep. amount of people, a lot of CPD went online. Yes. Um, so yep. we've been doing online meetings for years. We do webinars. And it's always fun when you do an online meeting. Generally, the people turn up 10, 15 minutes late because they didn't have a mic, they didn't have a heads, headphones, or they couldn't work out how Teams worked. Or they couldn't do that. They sat there for ages and they realized they had to click on the join. But all this stuff. And then suddenly, in two weeks, 
I join a meeting with 20 people in who joined and knew how everything worked. Yes. So people can learn, people can change. Mm. So don't go back to it's the way we've always done it. Yes. And I am reading a book on the moment, uh, which about it's called Teachers versus Tech. Uh, I won't give you the overall because I'm not finished yet. I'm only on page 90. But it's all about everything about this book is all about how the children perform in, in those PISA. Yeah. And it's like, okay, first of all, you should have questioned, is that the right way of judging pupils' progress and attainment yes. and future career prospects and life? Yeah. Yeah. Is PISA, is that what we should be judging everyone on? Is that the right thing? Yeah. Um, you see on social media various things. I see them a lot in America. Is thanks, thanks. I learned algebra, but I have no idea what a 401k is. I'm British. I don't know what a 401k is. No. But how to pay taxes, how a mortgage is actually, yes. how to balance things, how to yeah. budget. That would actually, if you did that for people, they might then realize, oh, I'm going to do this and go, oh, I can't afford to do anything I want. Yes. I should pay attention in school. Yeah. Or, yeah. okay, what else can I do? Or what are my options? Or various other things. Um, yeah. But actually, there's a load of stuff that isn't taught in schools. As you said, um, you did gardening with your family. Yeah, You I did. did baking, I'm guessing. You yes. baked the bread, nicked all yep. the flour. Um, yep. But all this stuff you do, <laughs> your children got a different education. Yeah, yeah. My son, my son is, as I said, is heavily into filming. At the start of lockdown, he liked to make his own films. So he'd have my mum and dad dressed up and put makeup on them and he would write the script for them. He would direct, you know, we're talking, he's nine. So he'd direct and then he would act. And then he made one with a dog and he made a talking dog and then he put it onto his YouTube channel. And then he started to get into roller coasters and started to use Minecraft. Now, all of those skills, in amongst all of that, when he finished school in March, when he came home, he couldn't tell the time because they'd done it at school, but they whisked over it so quickly, he just couldn't get it. He couldn't do his times tables. He can do both of those now, as well as tell me about velocity and how this ride works and how you have to, you know, let's let's look at people's passions and let's focus on those but we can't do that because the curriculum is a train and if you you miss a stop that's it you've lost it. it just keeps on going you miss that little and that's why we see so many children now who haven't got the, the building blocks they had they were poorly or they had problems at home or they've moved to six schools because their mum is in in refuge or and we're expecting them to build on nothing because they haven't got the building blocks and they need that so let's start with things that they're interested in and let's build it up slowly and probably the other thing that I do need to mention that somebody somebody spoke to me about the fact that there have been thousands of send children who haven't been physically able to access school for various reasons yeah and have had no education for six months three months two years five years parents have fought and fought but there are platforms as you said there are platforms out there why haven't we already got the infrastructure in place so that those children who are out of school because they can't access the physical building they can do it online and then when we had coronavirus the infrastructure's there it's not this kind of misnomer of oh wow we can't do this online open university do it brilliantly and have been for many years so I, I don't understand why no thought was given to all those children who were out of school, not accessing education. Is that because they're SEND? I think so. But um, that out of school and that distance learning is 
it comes back to we do it this way because this is what the evidence says. It's like, do you have any evidence looking the other way? No. No. Right. So it doesn't make your evidence isn't actually great. And I think one of the things that really annoyed me, I had got it there again, is the assumption of everyone's going to be behind. Mm-hmm. That assumption, and there's various other talk about all these children, we've got to boost them, we've got to get all these catch up classes, extra homework, let's drop some of the subjects to focus on English and maths. Is mm. you're all speculating in reality over this half next half term term, yeah. we will assess where children actually are. Yeah. And then we'll find out. Yeah. I read lots of stuff on social media after beginning of July. So the kids have been back for a week or so and or yeah. two weeks. And you've got year one teachers saying, actually, my children are using commas still. They haven't forgotten it all. They haven't regressed seven years. Um, <laughs> they haven't fallen off the edge of the planet. Yeah, a few of them yeah. forgot, but actually we did it a bit. And actually they were right. And so I think there's a lot of assumptions being made. And I think it's very dangerous making those assumptions. I think um, one of the government have announced £8 million funding, I think it's £8 million, for the uh, children going to reception because they're behind. I'm going, sorry, they haven't been in school yet. No one's mm. ever met this child, but they're behind. Yeah, what are they behind exactly? What, that makes no sense. That, there's not one bit of making sense no. there because my colleague John, his daughter was struggling with speech. Six months at home, her speech has come phenomenally well. Yes. Because there's a lot more conversations. There's four of them at home, constantly talking. She's had yeah. lots more opportunities to use her speech. There's lots of modeling going on yeah. by her parents. Yeah. Her speech has come on incredibly. So yeah. now, obviously, not every situation is like that. For every positive, there's that negative. There's, yeah. But to assume everyone's behind before they've even started school makes no sense to me. No. no. It really is bit bonkers that funding could have been used much better yes maybe within SEND yes Uh, maybe lots of things I won't get to watch because whatever I said I'm sure everyone can list five million other things it should be better but Mm. it's public it's publicity it's political stuff that is we're doing this oh look at us we're amazing I know I don't like children being used as political no no and I think that's I think that's been that I I agree totally. I think that's been the issue all the way along. And I found it, you know, at the start of lockdown, it was very much, you know, well, of course, children will be anxious. We're shut in schools, and you must all be together as families. And there was this kind of very soft side that came across. But then, and I knew this would happen. And I said to lots of people, there will be a mandate. If children don't go back to school in September, there'll be fines. They will come back. And lo and behold, now, in fact, I've got, I was looking at something. It's probably not this one. This is a mental health one. Looking at something yesterday. And the mandate is, yes, most important place for children to be is in school. If you don't send your child to school, you'll be fined. Well, if your child has had a massive trauma at school, which happens, we know, school is not the best place for that child to be. And if it wasn't the best place for that child to be before lockdown, because they were out of school and nobody was paying any attention, parents have been left on their own with these with these children, parents want education, but they're not going to send their child into somewhere that's causing trauma, whether it's to do with their sensory needs, communication, lack of training, lack of knowledge, school is not going to be the place for their child to go now. And 
many children will have massive levels of anxiety about going into school. Parents are now going to have massive anxiety about the fact that if they don't get their anxious child into school, they'll be fined. How does that help anybody? I can't see any logic to that whatsoever. What I would say is the school is the best place to be if the school is following all the rules and every child is following all the rules Mm -hmm. and that actually it is a predictable environment for that child. But as soon as that person creates a thousand people bubble and children don't wash and actually how they wash because you literally, if you worked out a thousand pupils washing their hands five times a day, in 10 sinks you just work the mass out of that there's not enough hours in the day no um so i think once you add all that in the anxiety just goes straight up um where schools haven't i think this is really one of those times where leaders in schools and the senkos needs to be really visible they need to be very visible to the parents and the children They need to be reassuring. They need to be, especially at secondary school, that transition is, this is what your school is going to look like. I think it's, if you can just send a picture of what your classroom is going to look like before the schools go back, that's going to reduce anxiety a lot. And there's lots of little things you can do that reduce anxiety. And that sort of stuff should stay going forward. Definitely. That should stuff in a year's time. My daughter's school, um, They've done loads of stuff, but there's just, okay, so there's going to be going in, it's all different starting, different ending. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then we've got the timetable. And we're literally, my daughter is going from year six, where I think her lunch was at 12.30, to her lunch at secondary school. Um, she's not allowed in the bit where you get food till one fifty. Yes. And you're like, okay. And how will that look? And then yeah. they sent a thing, and actually face masks will be required when you're queuing up for lunch. But it's like my daughter in year seven has no idea where to go, what it's going to look like. Yes. And it's an anxiety yeah. for every yeah. child. Yeah. So I think, yeah, vi- being visual, being visible, um, you doing the right things, mm-hmm. um, seeing that and all that lot. But then we always go back to face coverings, hide facial expressions and being oh, aware yeah. of that. So yeah. some people with autism don't get facial expressions anyway. So no, it doesn't really matter. But for others... They really need to see that facial connection. Yeah. I've worked with lots of children who do that. And and my own son is hyper aware and stares at people's faces. And he will will constantly look at my face to gauge my reaction to things before he reacts because he needs to look at me and then process what I've done. Am I smiling? Is that a good thing? Am I not? And he still doesn't, you know, I mean, I can frown and he thinks I'm terribly, terribly cross. I'm not. I'm just frowning about something. So. He already had problems, him and lots of other children I've worked with at lunchtime following rules because it's noisy and it's a bit chaotic. Now, I know it's going to be different at his school. They're going to have their lunch in the classroom. But actually, for, for my son, who has sensory needs around smell, he can't. He's the only child that I've come across in a long time that can't tolerate crisps. No one is allowed to have crisps anywhere near him. He can't stand the smell. Now, he is stressing about having his lunch in the classroom because some of the children taking packed lunches will have crisps. Now, I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with that. I can't say to school, nobody's to have crisps. You have to send that out, you know, for my son. But what happened pre-COVID was that he could go somewhere else to eat where it was just him and maybe one other child who didn't have crisps. And that worked. So what happens now, and also the children that I've worked with that, that can't queue, that get 
sensory difficulties at the end of the queue that get anxious about people around them they go in and have an early lunch they're going to be struggling because has someone put that in place for them because there's so many other things to think about and a lot of the young people that I've worked with the thought of what's coming is often much worse than what happens when they get there yeah sometimes it's not sometimes it is exactly what they've thought and and that hasn't been put into place because we're dealing with humans who are don't always get everything right but there are all those things all those those anxieties and you know I'm a member of quite a few homeschooling groups or groups where parents aren't homeschooling but their child can't get into school and you know that that today yesterday the day before the anxieties are uh, raising and raising and raising and I know that for my son's school they've sent out a whole list of things which has been great but they've also had to put in brackets if children are in school parents will be subject to fines now I know that they don't want to do that along with lots of other schools but interestingly we have we have a government that won't mandate on face masks or social distancing or lockdown but they will mandate on finding parents for not sending their children to school yeah, that whole um, not enforcing face masks is kind of bonkers. There was a news article that came through. I can't remember where it was from. It was an Apple News, so it could be from anywhere. And it's somebody who went on holiday to Greece. And everyone's going, oh, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be horrible. And she went, I loved it. Everyone, everyone wore masks. There were police officers out of uniform walking around. If they yeah. caught you without a mask, instant fine. So yeah. everyone had their mask on. It was enforced. And they got in a taxi yeah. driver. They'd forgotten their mask. And the taxi driver said, you need to put your mask on because if I'm stopped, we'll all be fined. Yeah. So it was his responsibility in every shop. So yes. um, it made actually showing, I, went, I, went, I was really, really, I felt really safe because everyone had yeah. masks on. Whereas yeah. you come back here and there are those who can't wear masks. Yes. There are those who believe COVID doesn't exist. There yes. are various, many other things that I can't breathe. I run out of oxygen. Yes. Uh, and one thing I love on, um, I, I use Reddit a lot, and there's always people, there's like nurses who've gone, yes. I've finished a 12 hour shift wearing all this equipment <laughs> yes. with a blood pressure. We're going 99% oxygen levels. Yeah. Saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're literally going, we are making excuses. And, but a big comeback is coming back to Mr. Cummings traveling yes. up. Yes. And then the government saying, well, that's, that's all right. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Right. So Dominic Cummings' children are allowed, don't have to go back to school. He won't get fined because that's what it just, yeah. to me, it's like, one of those people setting the rules. You've got to follow. Absolutely. Them. You've got to follow them. Otherwise, straight away, people, you know, people think, well, hang on, you're not doing it. One rule for you, one rule for us. That's not fair. You know, and I've said all along, and, and we are an island. We are a small island. We, could have closed our borders for two weeks we could have had a really secure lockdown for two weeks and that may well have, have kind of stamped out or certainly lessened the amount of illnesses the amount of not just from covid you know mental health issues there's been an increase in people who have died by suicide there's an increase in domestic violence murder suicides all of that stuff but we have unfortunately we have a government who take a libertarian attitude and we intrinsically suffer with this well we are british and we will not be told what to do we will do what we want yep. some british people not all british people because you know i know people that are very much against wearing masks they see it as an infringement of their civil liberties from my point of view my son is highly anxious he doesn't like wearing a mask but he wears one every time we go out and I've said to him you don't have to wear it if it's you know making your face sore if it's bothering you you don't have to because you're under 11 
no, mom, I'm wearing it because that's what we should be doing. So, you know, he's he's nine and he will wear it because he knows it's what we should be doing. And he has a sunflower lanyard. And I actually read somewhere the other day that someone criticised sunflower lanyards and said, yeah, well, people are buying them off the internet to get away without wearing a mask. So again, it's hidden disabilities that are being whacked with this. Well, you're not a real disability, are you? Because we can't see it. And anyone can wear a sunflower lanyard. But, you know, if you're going to go to that length of trouble to miss a queue or not wear a mask or get into a, you know, a, a restaurant first, well, then those kind of people could surely get a wheelchair and do the same thing. It's not about the sunflower lanyard. My son wears that to tell the people that know that actually he has a hidden disability and there are things that he can't do and he needs to use a disabled toilet because he can't stand the smell and the noise and the overload of, of a main, main toilet. He won't go into a toilet without me. I can't go into a male toilet, uh, fortunately. And I only noticed at the weekend that the disabled toilet was in use. So I nipped into the ladies with my son, got his ear defenders on, got his mask on. So that, that helped with the smells and things. But when he came out, a little girl who was in there, probably about his age, looked at him and I suddenly thought, he can't carry on coming into female toilets with me forever. We have to use the disabled toilet because he won't go in on his own he needs me to be with him and I need to help him when he when he uses the toilet but people look at you because you are you have a hidden disability yeah I ambled off topic slightly there but it's something that that I just find really irritating because I've spent well, I was diagnosed when I was what, 38 so I'd spent 38 years of my life feeling that I got everything wrong and that there was something wrong with me and it was only after my diagnosis that I realized actually there's nothing wrong with me society and the world that's a bit off it's not really me and I don't want that for him and I don't want that for anybody else who has a hidden disability and feels that they can't have the same rights as everybody else because that's fair I think what you find with most things if you go back to racism if you think it, it grows out yeah but the problem is, so if you, um, you talk to my children about various children, it's like, what's the blah, blah, blah? They're like, oh, yeah, it's just this. And you're going, oh, what happened? Because you, you heard from another parent something really happened. And you talk yes. to the kids, and the kids are like, yeah, it's just, it's what he, occasionally he does it. Yeah. The parents are, he can't happen. And the kids are like, yeah, it's just him, or it's just her. It's yeah. just what happens. And yeah. the parents are like, and you think, well, we're, we're parents are judging, but then you've got a generation above us, uh, yes. or before us, they're the ones making decisions. They're the ones in power. So we've got to get through two generations yes. in reality for them people to sit there and go, yeah, we're all different. It's all fine. Yeah, we're happy with this. We all just look after each other. Yeah. At the moment, we're still stuck with people who are born up going different is wrong. Uh, yes. My primary school, I think, oh, what special needs? And there was a boy in my primary school with Down syndrome, but the next, yeah. I'll say special needs in air quotes, the next different person was the two people with eczema and asthma. Yeah. yeah. That was, oh, they've got eczema and asthma. That was different. That was like, oh, my yeah. gosh. Um, yeah. And that, they were seen as different, whereas it's just we're now moving so far that, and, and each generation is getting more accepting. But we yes. do have to wait for that generation to get into power. Yeah. Is the is the downside because a lot of people thirty forty and above, we are both in that age bracket. Yes, they, all don't, they don't believe. They, is that well? I didn't have any of that, or well, none of that when I was young. Yeah, it's all, and we've got to get actually the people in charge believe. But again, does that come down to? I agree with that. Does it 
come down to a class division as well, because I'm thinking about I'm doing a psychology degree through the Open University. I thought, you know, do something while I'm at home. So I'm doing that. And we've I've just just about to finish um, a socialism model. And if you think about the divide between rich, poor, air quotes, you know, but the poverty divide and the people who are at the top 10 percent who are still living that life and having children and bringing their children up with their beliefs and those children accept their beliefs because actually they're not seen different I just wonder I don't know if it'll be two generations I just wonder if it will be more unless something really big happens and you know there's the top 10% and bottom 10% are pulled closer together because I was reading something in my my OU material and it described um, this group of of white middle class and high class uh, men who were going out and kind of trashing things and drinking lots and um, causing lots of problems and it was the Bullingdon Club and obviously that's who um, our Prime Minister and other members, senior Conservatives were members of that and you read that and it's kind of oh, it's hijinks, <laughs> you know, because they're from Eton and it's, it's all okay but if you read about a different sector a minority sector doing something like that, then it's not hijinks. It's terrible and awful and murderous. And I just wonder whether that gap will still be there. It does worry. Actually, that is a thing. In this in this country, um, people aren't held to account. Mm. Boris Johnson uh, still hasn't uh, apologised for the quote of women looking like letterboxes and various other horrible. He never so he never has to apologise. So why does anyone have to apologise? Why does yes. anyone have to be? It, it's, it's it's a currently it is our mentality that no one's held to account. No one's done anything yes. wrong. No one has to apologise. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I've said, and I've said this on the podcast for those listening is the I can never it's Justin something uh, the Prime Minister of Canada. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, a photo emerged, I'm going to say last year, could have been a few years ago, losing track of time, of him blackfacing at a party yes. when he was That's a teenager. Yeah. Yep. So he blackfaced and he apologized. And they said, um, can you make sure that there's never, ever going to be any of these photos again? This is so shocking. And his response was, I think it's really um, how people should be. Is He goes, mm. I can't promise. He goes, I don't even remember that. I don't remember yes. blackfacing. I don't remember that yeah. photo being taken. There's so much I don't remember. So I cannot yeah. say. And he said, I was um, raised in a bubble where that was socially acceptable. We didn't yes. see it as any harm. I was raised in this world where you just do then all just a bit of fun. No yeah. idea that actually that could offend someone, the implications yes. or anything. And he openly said, yeah, I did not. I was, I was completely unaware. And I was just like, yeah. Wow, that actually sounds, it was a really sensible, heartfelt response. Yes. He yes. may not have written it. He may have delivered a line written by someone else, but I hope mm. that was his yes. heartfelt message. Yeah. He also apologized. He apologized. He apologized so much. And that's the thing is there are stuff that people do in their past. And I do think that someone gets a job in 2020 and someone pulls out something from mm. 2004 and says, you did this in 2004. Yeah. You can't do this job. I'm like, wow, well, that yeah. was 16 years ago. They can change. Yes. Well, Give they people can. a chance. Yeah. If it was the last year, then fair enough. Um, well, but yes. When you go back in time, yeah. um, yeah. it starts getting a bit, we're judging everyone by what mm. they're doing now on the whole of their experiences. 
Um, And there are people who just change and grow up and realize, and that was them, their culture or their experiences at that time. Definitely. And they could have learned a lot. And they're actually, what they could be doing now is going, that was horrible. I really need to make amends for that. I, for my, my conscience, I want to make a difference, but we won't let them. We, um, we, we love, I think what it all comes down to in this country is we love judging people. Yes. So it comes back yeah. to your um, silent, your invisible disability is we like to judge. We, we, we judge so much quicker than we should. Uh, we need to just calm it down and just go. It's like my wife says an interesting thing. You know, when you get a horrible idiot cutting you up on the road, yes. driving like a loon. <laughs> yeah. My wife will say, he's probably heading to the hospital. His wife's gone into labor. Yes, yeah. Probably isn't, but it just she says it, and you're literally going, I have no idea why he's driving like that. Yeah. His son could have been hit by a car. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, he might have just realized it's his fifth wedding anniversary and he's got no present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't know. He could be just an idiot. It mm. could be many things, but we judge. We see someone do something. There's lots of stuff. When we talk about mental health, yeah. And you talk about those people buying lanyards. In my head, I'm going, well, they're obviously not okay in there. They need, yes. they're not okay. Yeah. In fact, yeah. they're going out and buying this. They might actually, they could be buying it because they're too scared of going up to someone in, in Tesco's or I don't know how you get the lanyards and asking for one. Yes. So they might be buying it because it's the easiest, safest way for them to get hold of one. Or they're doing it because they think, yeah, I can get free stuff. But actually, subconsciously, they need. A bit. There's a whole load of mental health stuff in there. Of course, um, there is. You know, and a lot of adults aren't diagnosed with autism. We know that until they are adults, or if they ever are diagnosed, and they don't know why they need that lanyard. But actually, having the lanyard means that if they're struggling in the shop, someone might, a staff member, will recognise that and might offer them some help. Or people will know to will stay to stay clear that you know you do want that social distance and I think again I've never been you know I've never been one of those people that says right and I mean I I had a group for um, autistic mothers on Facebook and I'd get a lot of women saying well I I don't have an official diagnosis and I've never been one of those right show me your paperwork or you're not coming in because I know how hard it is to get a diagnosis particularly for females in the past but also now you know we have we We've done. We've kind of flown the flag for for our females getting diagnosed. But I'm very keen to say that actually there are many males who have what have been classed as female presentation, who present like that, who are also autistic. Again, my son is a classic example. No outward behaviours at school, which quite often is used to categorise um, boys. No outward behaviours at school. But goodness me, have I seen meltdown after meltdown when he comes home. But because he doesn't do that at school, everyone thinks he's okay. No, he's not okay. He's like a bottle of of fizzy drink waiting to go off, bang, the minute he comes out of school. But he's so hypersensitive to other people that it doesn't happen in the playground because he knows someone might see him and he wants to be he wants to be the good child. He doesn't want people to think that he's he's misbehaving. So he waits until we get home or in the car my, and, my, and, my nephew does that he is exactly the same he has to appear normal doesn't want any attention and he uh he had to go see the senko before he came to school refused end of every day he had to go see the senko who would ask him how was your day and she actually listened to what he said rather than 
realizing that my number of my sister told her the Tenko this is his friends are waiting for him. If he takes too long, they will yes. leave without him. So therefore, yeah. you ask any child, they will get out of that meeting as quickly as possible by saying all the stuff you want to hear. And then he's allowed to go out. Well, however bad yeah. that day was, whatever happened, he has to get home because he wants to walk with his friends because that's, that's a nice part of his day. Yeah. And then he can get home and explode with my, with my sister. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's the same with many kids, you know, or it's all. Oh, I need to get, if I don't leave now, I've got to get back because my favourite television program's on and I'll miss it. I'll miss it. So I've got to get back. So it's all of those things. You know, my son learned that if someone says to you, how are you? You go, fine. And he's got that from me because before I had my diagnosis, if someone said, how are you? I'd tell them. And it wasn't always pretty. It was quite often very ugly. and But they got it all. And it was only as I matured and started to work more around autism and realize actually there are social ways that people are expected to behave that I start if someone says to me now oh how are you I go yeah I'm fine I'm fine thank you don't don't say fine fine is a danger word mm. my wife said if I say to you, how are you and my wife says fine <laughs> that is do not move do not <laughs> take another step try not to breathe something's wrong it was probably me <laughs> and i've now got to work out what i've done wrong fine you you're over, are you overthinking that one a little no, bit no no how are you fine <laughs> whoa oh my gosh okay i've done something wrong and she wants me to work out what i've done wrong because if you don't know i'm not going to tell you yeah. <laughs> fine is that word to me um, but yeah, yeah. No, how are you is not how are you is how are you is hi. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's one of those things. It isn't. It's yeah. not actually a question. It is just hi. No, no, and and that's the thing. I think I've offloaded. You know, I had a pretty pretty awful uh, marriage breakdown, and and I would offload to the lady at the checkout because she said, "Hello, how are you today?" <laughs> oh, this is awful. This is awful. And it took me a long time to realise that she just wanted me to say, "Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. How are you?" Just a nice, hi, how are you? No one, no one tells you, you that. No one told me that. <laughs> don't ask me how don't ask me how I am if you don't want to know the truth. One of the things I think we've talked for a while, we cover lots of stuff. I think one of the things I just want to mm. wrap up on, which I've mentioned yeah. before, but I think it's always worth mentioning is so your child's going back to school. Yeah. Yes. And yes. yeah, and you've got anxiety. One of the things probably people haven't realized is you've probably had six months of not having that breakdown at the end of the day. Where your yes, child has masked or apparently fawned. I've heard of a new term yes. my sister oh. oh, I've not heard that. Let me write that Literally. down. Literally. It's like fight, flight, um, freeze, fight, flight, or fawn, fawning, which is kind I of masking. Like it sounds really odd. I'm literally going bambi. Yeah, odd. it makes um, makes me think of um, C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, because Mr. Tumnus was the fawn. Okay. In that. Anyway, that's just I was one going for bambi. But apparently, <laughs> it is um, you do what is expected of you. Yes. You yeah. mask. And I think a lot of these children have gone, oh, I'm at home. I'm in my safe place. I'm happy. Mm -hmm. I'm not hugely being challenged. It's quite mm -hmm. cool. I can be myself. Yeah. I can do what I want. And then when they go back to school, it's like, oh, oh, I've got to follow the rules. I've got to do this stuff, which I find really hard, but I've got to get on with it because it's what's expected yeah. of me. And I'll go through all this day and then they'll get home and they'll explode. And I think one of the things that, parents will be mourning is 
they've had lovely six months with your children. Yeah. And you're now going to go back to, oh, three hours a day, you're putting him back together. Yes. That, that's, that's one of the things. Yeah. I don't know. If you haven't thought of that and just realized it, I'm sorry. Yeah, thanks for um, that. Um, <laughs> but be ready. You, yeah. You're going back to that world. My nephew had migraines. Yes. My sister would spend what's normal at yeah. home cuddling my son for two hours a day. Not because yes. he wants to. He doesn't want to cuddle. He needs it. Yeah, it's he needs it, yeah. Um, so it wasn't a choice thing. It's that. So yeah, that was that was what school did to him. Two hours of cuddling yes. every evening on the sofa. Absolutely, yeah. So um, that's yeah. the thing is you sit there in this new normal. Yeah. So it's basically um, abusing children with special needs is what that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we're moving away from that. Hopefully, hopefully, I think having that change because I think something with special needs is it's you drift into it. Yes. The slowly, as they go through nursery and reception and school, yeah. the pressures slowly increase. And I think maybe the last six months, is, you've not had that at home. You've actually had a happy time at home, your child being yeah. happy. Yeah. And then what you literally might have is that black and white. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is really hard work in two weeks' time. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he is so unhappy. He's not doing anything. We let's do let's do video and let's look at yeah. not doing anything. And you literally realize in black and white, geez, this really school is really affecting him this much. I think that's one of the things that if that conversation happens, that actually yes. this is how my child, and hopefully, if every child is saying that, not hopefully that they happen, hopefully he's happy. But yeah. if all these parents and families are going through this, people hopefully finally listen. To go, this isn't a, oh, it's this. It is, no, no, everything was fine until they went back to school. Yeah. And then it was this. And yeah. actually, all that stuff we've done, worked on and improved, in a week, you've undone it all. That, that's one of my worries that it will happen. But I'm hoping that if it does happen, it will lead to change. I think I work with a lot of parents who I often say to them, you know, you get blamed. It's really easy to blame parents, isn't it? It's a home problem. It's a home issue. And I work with lots of parents and say, do you know what? When your child was born, you were the expert in your child. You are still the expert in your child. You may not have done the things that the book said. You may not have done the things the health visitor or the midwife said. And you made mistakes along the way. But you are an expert in your child. And that doesn't stop the minute your child goes into nursery or school and someone else becomes the expert. You have been putting in these these techniques, these self-soothing things, all the the kind of strategies that aren't strategies because it's how you live. We haven't, you know, wrapped them up and given them the strategy term. It's how you live. It's what you do. You are still the expert in your child and you need to believe that and you need to vocalise that. But a lot of the parents I work with don't or can't. And that's where I think I get my, my passion is kind of supporting those parents and and advocating for them to be able to say, well, actually, no, my child is fine in this environment, but you put them in that environment and it all goes to pieces. Ah, uh, no, 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 that's not that. It's they're fine in this environment. Yes. They appear fine in this environment. They appear, yes. Yeah. It's a whole different world when they leave that environment. And it's, I think it is, he doesn't do that at school. Well, he seems really happy yeah. at school. It's like, yeah. you need to start to listen. Uh, one thing that is, is one of the things you should sit there and do is if you sit there and go, oh, my child's going to be one of those evenings, what you should almost do is put your phone on a stand and record the next two hours. Yeah. And then go, yeah, 
there you go go watch that that's what that was my evening yeah. last night what did you do yeah the whole thing is you've got i think they've got to see it yes that's how i gathered evidence towards towards my son's diagnosis um because nobody listened nobody believed because he presented in a certain way and not in the way they thought he should present um nobody believed me and i it wasn't, wasn't the right autism he wasn't the right he was the wrong autism you know and i'm I've been doing this for a long, long time and I'm autistic myself. So I've got 38, well, no, I haven't. I've got 40 plus years in experience. <laughs> yes, a number. Um, so I know what I'm talking about and I was able to articulate and to fight for that. But I did have to fight and I did have to use recordings and I hated recording my child at his most vulnerable. And somebody did say to me, well, why are you showing me that? Look, he's really upset. Yes. Yes, this is what happens when he's been to school and had a bad day. But you you said to me, he's fine. No, he's not fine because this is what's happening when he lets it all out because yeah. he's kept it all in all day. And this is where we go back to training, CPD, understanding that there isn't just one type of autism. There isn't just, you know, Rain Man autism or the A word autism. You're looking at two different spectrums. There's all the autism in between. And individuals are individuals i think that might be another podcast <laughs> it is are we going to wrap it up in a minute because we're going um, right, have you okay. seen i think it's an american series on auto i think it's called atypical i don't know if you've seen that one i haven't i've heard about it but i tend not to watch programs that present autism what are oh, what i like about it is um because i've seen lots of people saying oh that's not autism i'm like no that's not your autism but it could be someone else yeah. there's a whole yeah. has a whole spectrum but what i yeah. really like about it is it looks at his autism. Yes. It squeezes it into half an hour. So you've got to remember it's TV and they've got to emphasize yeah. the point of he struggles yes. with this. They'll do it. But what I really liked about it is how it showed the family. Yes. Yeah. Is the effect it had on the mum, especially, and it was quite interesting. I hadn't thought about it. She'd supported her child for years and he was getting to 16. And he was like, yeah, mum, I can do this on my own. And she was like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I've yeah. been I've been his supporter, his carer. His, I've been an yeah. autism mum for 16 years. Yes. Who am I? And that, that was, I thought, oh, I hadn't really ever thought about it. I quite like that series. It might not have portrayed autism very well. It might not. Mm. But actually, I liked it because it showed the family. It showed his sister using his autism against him right because she's a mean sister and then she realized okay. she, she feels bad for it and makes it up a different way but you know that sistery thing it wasn't because he's got autism yes. she would still sit there and go oh I and she'll just poke him with his autism which yeah. a sister would do you you know yes. you always know how to get your loved ones or you you know of course yeah and it was nice that actually it wasn't like um treated carefully it was like wow that's a harsh sister and then yeah. later on she went or even the parents go, oh, yeah, but I was having a bad day. It's like, yeah, it's not. And it was quite nice where your whole family dealt with everything. And it, yeah. So, yeah, it might not portray autism very well, but I think um, it was a good looking at the family. I, yeah. I preferred it to some of the other series I've watched. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I watched, I watched, um, I think about, I didn't even finish the first series of The A Word. I, I didn't like that. It, I didn't like that at all. Um, so I just couldn't. They, they yeah. basically one parent thinks this, the other parent thinks this. Big drama, and yes, and that was about it's like yeah, come on, that that's like page one. 
of the yeah. autism parent. I'm, I'm not parent of I'm, my children. Maybe on the spectrum, I think they are, but I've not gone through this. I'm literally going, come on, that's page one. That's like easy stuff. Let's get further down the book. Yes, yeah, so there's a whole load. And it was very, oh, he's not getting invited to birthday parties. Like, yes, I know. We all know that both autism by now. We've got this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one comes to his birthday party. He doesn't get him. Yeah. Kind of, we're past that. Yeah. I actually want a serious move on. I found atypical, um, the atypical one, although American and shiny and probably not best yeah. autism. I liked the, it looked into further down. And that was him moving, yeah. going to college. He had a job um, and it was nice. And yeah, his, he got used by friends. He didn't get, but generally it yeah. always worked out right in the end. Yeah, that might be what I might, um, I might put that on my watch list. If you, if, um, you, if you have watched and don't like it, don't blame me. These okay. are the things I took from it. These are things I took well, from that's, it. Well, it's worth, it's worth having a look. As I said, I think I was going through a bad time when the A word first started, and I felt that that portrayal of autism worked against my son because he wasn't doing all of those things. I, yes. People couldn't see his autism. So I, I know that I've got lots of friends who think it's brilliant, it's really on point, and you know, it reflects their journey, but it didn't reflect ours. And I think I was in a very raw kind of, that's not everyone I know it's some people's autism it's not everyone's autism and it's certainly not our experience and that portrayal is is stopping us from getting the help and support that you know that that he needs that we need so um, and yeah. I'll stick I'll stick atypical on my watch at the moment so because as soon as you have autism it's it's not really an individual diagnosis it's a family yeah of course because the of whole course. family is like and generally you yeah. won't be doing it anyway you all make yes. those adaptions and yeah. sometimes you do have to drop your life to support that person. Definitely. And there's lots of things like that, but yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, wrapping it up. So we've covered new normal, going forward to a new normal or back to normal. And I think, mm -hmm. uh, I think as we're using the word back, we are basically saying everyone's going back to normal or a bad yeah. version of it rather than going, what could we do? That's uh, yes. That would be forward would be better. to normal. So mm. Don't get, let's, we're going back to normal, not forward to a new normal. So expect yeah. all the pain you had before to come back, but probably worse <laughs> uh, because the teacher isn't allowed to leave the front of the classroom. So if your child's struggling at the back, they'll probably just get their grades. If, if, I don't know if the marking comes down. There's a whole load of is stuff going to be marked. I don't know. Well, let's not let's not talk about A levels and GCSE, shall we? Let's. That's. But if 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 there's a whole thing of if the teacher shouldn't be down in the classroom, should they be going through the worksheets and marking things? Mm. How should that work? Yeah. Uh, so if you're there, we aren't doing that, then is your child going to spend the whole of this project not getting it and getting it completely wrong, but no one's pointed out, which a teacher normally would do in day one. So that, yeah. it could be a lot worse than the old normal. It, the new normal could actually yes. be a bad thing. Um, yes. I think we could have gone forward. I think I think there'll be talk of a new normal. I think there'll be lots of, of talk. And I think yeah. loads of people uh, who are in power, who don't understand, will say, no, let's just stick to what we've always been doing. Uh, yes. it's easy and um and it works for us john galloway says you value what you measure you don't measure what you value so sat scores are easy because you can yeah. sit them down in a test and it's all the same test and everyone gets the same results and we can judge everyone simply having a conversation about how you're doing about your life and doing something else which might be so concrete a lot harder so yes definitely um but yeah it's Sadly, I think we are going back to an old normal, not a new normal. Um, I yeah. do think there's a lot of challenge. Um, I think for a lot of families, the going back to school is going to be tr is going to be uh, a lot of anxiety, and then I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of fallout 
um, of schools not doing what they should be doing in the eyes of families and not following the rules. There's, there'll be lots of things around those causing issues. And then there's going to be fallout because your child is, there's going to be lots of fallout. And hopefully, this fallout will inform change. Let's hope. So, we've covered various things. Mm-hmm. Basically, in the show notes, I'll be putting a right, right, and I'll also be putting uh, Lana's contact details. So there's lots of things you've given me, so I'll be putting that in there so you can get contact with Lana in various ways. And I'll put, um, is it just the first book you've written or have you written other books? You said your debut book. It's the first book I've written. I was um, asked to write another one on autism and motherhood, but I felt that I'd written a book and didn't have... I didn't have the enthusiasm to write a second one. Let's put it that way. I found it very hard going. I did it. Uh, it's done. But I don't have any enthusiasm or time actually at the moment to write another one. Rescuing your tomatoes. Um, Absolutely. From Storm Dennis. So um, I'll be putting a link to Lana and a link to the book in the website uh, and some other stuff. So a big thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe going to our website, www.thesendcast.com. You can also sign up to our newsletter to keep up to date with all the latest news. Uh, you can also follow us on all the usual social media. So on Twitter, we are at The Sendcast, Facebook, The Sendcast, on Instagram, The Sendcast, or on LinkedIn, search, search for The Sendcast. Um, if you want to get in touch, let us know your thoughts, suggest topics, or anything else, please send an email to hello at thesendcast.com. Um, and if you've enjoyed the Sendcast, why not look into the virtual Send conference? This is a conference that, like the Sendcast, is run by us here at B Squared, but it covers all aspects of SEND. What makes this conference different is its access across the internet. The conference runs twice a year in March and November, and each conference has 12 really, really good sessions designed to help you. Uh, the idea each session is something something you can take away. It's not sort of all oh, that we like, we'd lovely if we could do this. It's actually end of each session you've got something you can go away and implement in your school. Um, you can buy tickets for future or past events. The videos are always available. So although we run it in March, November, um, if, you bought, if you buy the tickets now for the March event, you have instant access to the sessions we ran in March. So it makes a lot of sense because you can use the content in lots of different ways. It's not a case of it's on one day. Uh, one of you may watch it live. Others can use it later. You can use it as a whole school training. It works out really well. And one of the sessions, you might go, I don't need that right now. A year later, a new pupil comes with ODD or selective mutism, and then you've got training there waiting for you. So it just makes a lot of sense. The cost for each conference is £60, and that covers the entire school, not per person. And as a listener to the Sendcast, we are offering a 10% discount just by using the code SENDCAST10. Um, and if you are a parent, we've also launched Parent Talks, which is following the same approach, but it's designed for parents. Um, and you can find out information for both of those. Uh, the Virtual Send Conference, we're going to the website, is www.virtualsendconference.com. And for Parent Talks, just add a forward slash Parent Talks at the end. So thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.